Well, we have been looking at different characters in the Bible. We're going to come to one today that we're probably a little bit more familiar with than the one that we had last week, which was of Demas. Today, we're going to talk about Nicodemus. Good old Nick. (laughs) And so we're going to look at him today. And uh, he is, of course... Been, we are reminded of him of that special occasion when he came to the Lord by night and talked with him about the kingdom of God, seeing the kingdom of God, experiencing the kingdom of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ shared with him the importance of every individual no matter who they are or what their background is, must be born again. Amen? With your Bibles open, would you turn with me to John chapter 3? We're going to read the first 21 verses. Stand with me in reverence of reading God's Word. The Bible says there in John chapter 3, In verse 1 and following, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I don't know if you've got that marked in your Bible, but you should highlight that because that is of essence, of necessity of every man, woman, boy, and girl. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit... Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, You the teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness? If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he 
who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I like that word, whoever. There's some believe that there's some that just can be saved and some that are not be saved. But the Bible says, whoever. Amen. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that he, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light that has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they may have been done in God. Aren't these precious words? Oh, my. The Lord Jesus was such a great teacher and sharing with Nicodemus the importance of being born again. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for your blessed word. Thank you for the word that you shared with Nicodemus and the same word that you share with us today. Father, may the anointing and the filling of your Holy Spirit be upon our lives today. That we might not only receive the word, but that we may share the word. But Father, if there's hearts here today that is not right with you, we pray that before the last amen, There will be souls that will be flooded to the altar that will say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Cleanse me. Send me. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One of the saddest, saddest stories I've ever read about was about a man that you will recognize, and his name is Hank Williams, the legendary country and western singer. He's the one that wrote the song, I Saw the Light. And the stanza goes something like this. I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin, I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. You've heard that song before, haven't you? (laughs) Amen. Well, the first line in that stanza 
seems to be a fitting description of the life of Hank Williams. They tell us that his life was filled with disease, drugs, and alcohol. In fact, the Bible tells us at the young age of 29, he died in the back seat of a Cadillac in West Virginia in January the 31st, 1952. Before he died, he was performing in San Diego. And he was so drunk that he could not get through the last two songs that he was supposed to sing. Minnie Pearl, you remember Minnie Pearl? She and the promoter had taken him and they began to put him in the car and drive him around to try to sober him up for the next show. And while they were driving, they began to sing the song, I Saw the Light. I Saw the Light. And then... Right there in the middle of it all, Hank Williams looked at Minnie Pearl and said, Minnie, I don't see the light. There is no light. There is no light. And his life was aimly destined for destruction because he never would respond to the light. How sad that is. The Bible reminds us that every man, woman, boy, and girl that has never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that he lives in darkness. But when he comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and experience what Jesus talked about of being born again into the family of God, that that darkness becomes light. And that now you have not only experienced light, but you also have experienced life. From deadness to life. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching Nicodemus. John chapter 12, verse 46 says, I have come as a light into the world. That whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Isn't it amazing that when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of a sudden the lights come on? And that you're able to start to see spiritual things that you had never seen before. I'm reminded of what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Nicodemus, a man who found the light in the night. Oh, friend, I want you to understand that Nicodemus was a man that experienced the new birth, that a challenge and a conviction that and a command that Christ gives to every one of us, that you must be born again. And when that experience happens, oh, what a great experience. Nicodemus, 
He's only found in the book of John. Found on three different occasions as we're going to look at today. Some say that Nicodemus was the brother of Josephus, the great historian. Some tell us that Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrins. But not only a member of the Sanhedrins, he was probably one of the three richest men in Jerusalem. I want to introduce Nicodemus to you today. And what I want to do, I want us to look at three different stages in his life. And I want to introduce you to him by these particular sayings. First of all, Nicodemus hearing Jesus. Nicodemus hearing Jesus. On the very first occasion that Nicodemus was encountered with the Lord Jesus Christ is found here in John chapter 3 where the Bible said Jesus looked at Nicodemus right square in the eye and said, Nicodemus, you must, you must be born again. Nicodemus came by night. Now, some say that he came by night because he didn't want any others to see him. Acquainted with the Lord Jesus Christ. Some say that he came by night because he didn't want to be interrupted by others as he talked to Jesus about this very important thing. But you go back to verse 1 and you'll notice three outstanding things as verse 1 introduces us to Nicodemus. First of all, it tells us that he was a man that was a Pharisee. A Pharisee, of course, was a very religious man of that particular day. Lived by a very strict set of rules. Very religious. So he was a religious man, a Pharisee. But then it also says he was a ruler of the Jews. A ruler of the Jews meaning that he was a member of the Sanhedrins. In other words, the Sanhedrins were a select group of men, about 70 of them. And that they would begin to be the experts of their field concerning jurisdiction over the Jewish communities. They would give the laws, the Jewish laws. And then thirdly, then verse 10 says that he was a master of Israel. That word master literally means an expert. In other words, what he was talking about, he was a master teacher. He was a great teacher. He could take the Hebrew and begin to share with the people of the meanings and the golden truths in the Word of God. The Bible says in verse 2 that the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So the Bible refers to Nicodemus from time from that point on as a man that who came by night. 
three different occasions as we're going to look at it. But you'll notice that as he comes before the Lord Jesus Christ and that the Lord Jesus Christ begins to teach him and to instruct him of how to be saved, he says that first of all, that it's the way to God. Now Nicodemus, you're a religious man. And you may feel that the way to God is living by a certain set of standards and rules and regulations. But if you really want to know how to come to God, you must be born again. You must be born again. He says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The only way. Jesus said that you ever experience this thing called salvation is to be born again. Now, Nicodemus was one that could interpret Scripture, but yet at this particular moment, he was spiritually blind because he did not understand what the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about. Nicodemus thought he was talking about a physical birth. He says, how can, if you're old, be born again? Talking about being physically born twice. He didn't understand the spiritual aspects, what Jesus was talking about. Born again literally means to be from above. To be born from above. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now notice what Jesus did. He talked about two different types of births. He talked about the physical birth, born of water, and he talked about the spiritual birth, the born of the Spirit. And so, a lot of times people have misunderstood this passage of Scripture. Jesus is not talking about baptism when he talked about water here. But he's talking about the physical birth that every one of us have experienced. Every man and woman, boy and girl that lives on the face of this earth have experienced one birth... A physical birth, but not every man and woman, boy, girl on this earth has experienced the second birth. As I've said before, if you're born once, you'll die twice. If you're born twice, you'll die once. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. Well, how is one to be born again then? How does this take place? Jesus gives that famous passage of Scripture that we've learned from our youth of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He shared with us the sacrificial death there upon the cross. That He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friend, I want you to understand there's only one way 
to be born again. And that is recognizing Jesus Christ as the son of the living God, born into this world, died there upon a cross for your sins and for my sins, buried in a grave, three days later rose again, coming forth with the keys of victory over death, hell, and the grave. Oh, friend, it is the free gift that God has given to us. It is God's way and not man's way. This is exactly what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 reminds us again, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. So Jesus was reminding Nicodemus. William Bradbury expressed it well. We sung, we sing this song from time to time, and it says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Oh, coming and giving your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nicodemus is hearing. He's hearing from Jesus. He's hearing that the way to God is the new birth. But not only did he talk about the way to God, but he talked about the work of God. It's not what you do, Nicodemus. It's what God has done. This is what he's talking about. Look what he says in verse 6. He says, that which is born of the flesh is of the flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Our first birth was of the flesh. And then the second birth is the work of the Spirit. Salvation is an amazing work, my friend. We talk about miracles. The greatest miracle that will ever take place is when a man is born into the kingdom of God. Jesus is the miracle worker and it's the work of God that brings that person before the Lord. It accomplished only what God can do. Man can turn over a new leaf in life, but my friend, only God can give a man a new life. Man can put his name on a church roll, but only God can put a man's name in the land's book of life. Oh, friend, man specializes in rehabilitation. God specializes in regeneration. Big difference. Big difference. The new birth, Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, the only way to God is the new birth must be born again. I believe that night, Nicodemus came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible doesn't say that he did, but I think later on in reference of where we're going to read and study, we're going to see that he was a child of God. And so I believe that night, 
old Nicodemus dressed in his pharisaical uh, outfit. I believe he knelt at the foot of the Lord Jesus Christ and he prayed a sinner's prayer and he invited Jesus into his heart. So we've looked at Nicodemus hearing from Jesus. Let's go a step further. John chapter 7. You might want to flip there. John chapter 7 is a a time that we're confronted with Nicodemus again. And at this particular stage in his life, Nicodemus is not only hearing Jesus, but we find Nicodemus helping Jesus. I believe only believer would do what Nicodemus did. And so here in John chapter 7, verse 50, says, Nicodemus said unto them, He that came to Jesus by night being one of them. Nicodemus once again being identified as the man who came by night. I believe it got to be well known throughout Jerusalem that when they saw Nicodemus, this is the man that came by night to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we know, as we study the Gospels, Jesus Christ was despised and rejected. And we see it quite clear right here in the opening words to chapter 7. It sets the stage for the scene in the life of Nicodemus. Look what it says in verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, be reminded of that. The chief priest and the Pharisees had plotted to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. They hated him. They despised him. They rejected him. Verse 25 reminds us that it was common knowledge. For some of them from Jerusalem says, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? It was common knowledge that the scribes and the Pharisees were seeking to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 30, It reminds us, it says, Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. They sent people out to get him. But they wouldn't lay a hand on him. They would not lay a hand upon him. But oh, do you not get the picture of how Jesus was despised. The Bible reminds us that he came unto his own and his own received him not in John chapter 1 verse 11. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Isaiah spoke about that moment. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3 says that he was despised and rejected by men. Oh my friend. Nicodemus was living 
in that atmosphere. Now think about it. He's a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were plotting to kill him. The chief priest was plotting to kill him. Nicodemus now has come to know this man in a very personal and intimate and spiritual way. What does he do? Does he renounce his faith? Does he deny the Christ? No, I tell you what he did. He defended the Christ. He defended the Christ. Look what the Bible says in verse 45. It says, Then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and who said to them, Why have you not brought him? Then in verse 46, they told him. The officer answered and says, No man ever yet spoke like this man. There's something special about this guy. And we're not going to put our hands upon him. Their claim was that those, the Pharisees claimed that those that believed on him was deceived. Verse 49 says, but this people, but this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. In other words, what was happening, he was saying, does not the law give every man a fair, impartial hearing? This is Nicodemus speaking. Why do you condemn him without a fair trial? You know what Nicodemus did? Where it would have been very easily to kept his mouth shut and denied Christ He spoke up and defended not only the people that was sought after to go and bring him back to the scribes and the Pharisees. And they did not. Not only defended them, but he defended the Lord Jesus Christ. When I think about that, I think about the song. I think Miss Judy played it earlier today. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. I love that song. I think if there's ever a day and ever a time for a child of God to make himself known, it's today to stand up. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory. His army shall he lead till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up. Stand up there in the classroom. Stand up there in the office. Stand up there in the workplace. Stand up there in the marketplace. I think it's time for the church to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. When I look at Nicodemus, he was a man that was willing to be denied and certainly a man that was willing to stand for the Christ that he loved. Oh, my goodness. When I think about that song, Stand Up, you may not know the background of how that song came about. George Duffield 
was inspired to write that song. He was inspired to write that song by a young pastor by the name of Dudley Tang. T-Y-A-N-G. Dudley Tang was a young man that was being used of God in a mighty, mighty way. He pastored a church in Philadelphia. News reporters would write about him because crowds were coming everywhere to hear this man preach. They would title him the man that was known as the work of God in Philadelphia. One particular day he was preaching. There were more than 5,000 people out there listening to him preach. And he was so bound to fulfill the calling of God upon his life. He said these words. I must tell my masters Aaron. And I would rather that this right arm were amputated at the trunk. Than I should come, that I should come short of my duty to you in delivering God's message. When he said that, little did he realize, four days later, he was out in the country visiting some people. And there, out there in the country, he was watching the operation of a corn thrasher in the barn. He got a little bit too close. And his sleeve got caught in that corn thrasher. And literally lacerated his arm to pieces. Infection set in. Four days later, this man died. Right before he died, there were some pastors that went to his, his bedside. And they said to him, what would you have us to know in your dying hours? This is what he said. Let's all stand up. For the Lord Jesus. Let's all stand up for the Lord Jesus. And he died. Stand up, stand up for the Lord Jesus. That brings us to the third scene. We had notice of how Nicodemus had heard and was listening and hearing Jesus about the important things of the spiritual life. We noticed of how Nicodemus was helping Jesus in a despised circumstance and all how he defended him. But then I want you to notice of how Nicodemus honored Jesus. The honoring of Jesus. The final mentioning of Nicodemus is found in John chapter 19, verses 38 through 40. Listen to these words. 
After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus, bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Once again, Nicodemus is referred to as the man that came by night. But now we see him honoring the Lord Jesus. You cannot help to notice that this was a selfless act. A selfless act. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, had they not taken the steps to bury the Lord Jesus Christ in an honorable way, you know what the Roman soldiers would have done? They would have taken his body and just threw him that body into an old ditch and let the body rot before every man. But Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they came before those that was in authority and said, let us take his body. And what did they do? Joseph of Arimathea, he took the body along with Nicodemus and he had purchased, no doubt, a, a cave that had been hewn out. And it was there where they laid the Lord Jesus Christ. It was Nicodemus that paid for more than a hundred pounds. More than a hundred pounds of spices to embalm the body of the Lord Jesus. Very expensive. Very costly. It was a selfless act. That's why it tells me that Nicodemus was a man that's been born again. It tells me that Nicodemus was a man that who loved the Lord and he was willing to pay the price to prove to the Lord that whatever it takes, I'm willing to pay and I'm willing to give. I wonder today when we serve the Lord, or do we have that same type of attitude? I mean, I, I stop and think something as simple as our tithes and offerings. Is that a selfless act on your part? Is that an act of obedience? Is that an act of your showing that you love the Lord? I believe it is. Much of the time, we are more concerned what the Lord does for us than what we are doing for the Lord. 
Lord, what can you give me? What can you do for me? But not so with Nicodemus. As a selfless act, he gave a very costly gift in a time of need of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it was a significant act. It was very significant because both Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, their actions were costly as I had already reminded you of. They provided the tomb. They provided the spices to embalm the body. Very costly. There's a book, if you don't have, if you haven't read, you need to purchase it and you need to read it. Fox's Book of Martyrs. This book is filled with martyrs that who've given their life for the Lord Jesus Christ. And to hear the testimonies of these men and women will literally move you like nothing else will. But I'm reminded of Polycarp, the Bishop of Smyrna, of how the authorities wanted to close the mouth of Polycarp for his preaching. And they had taken Polycarp the bishop of Smyrna, and they were going to tie him to the stake and burn him at the stake in front of all. And the proconsul said to Polycarp, Curse the Christ! Listen to what he says. Swear and I will release you. Curse the Christ! Polycarp said, Eighty and six years have I served him, and he never once wronged me. How then shall I blaspheme my king who has saved me? Just like that, they set the flames to the body of Polycarp. Never regretting that moment. Significant act, was it not? Oh, when I think, when I think of what the Lord has done for me, how can I not give Him all and give Him my best? When I think how the Lord has brought me out of darkness into light, how can I not serve Him today? How can I not give Him all that I have? Because he has given me all that he has. My friend, your, may, your name may not be Nicodemus, but I'd just like for you to put your name where Nicodemus' name was. Because today the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to you the very same way that he spoke to Nicodemus. Will you respond the way Nicodemus did?
Would you be a man like Polycarp? Even if it took your death, be your death, would you be willing to give it to the Lord? Lord Jesus, I thank you for, I thank you so much for Nicodemus. What a man. What a servant. Lord, may we have the same heart, the same love, the same compassion, the same zeal as Nicodemus did. Help us, Lord, to be soldiers of the cross. Help us, dear Lord, to stand up, stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us. Give us the power and the boldness to be that soldier. Right now, where people are sitting, there might be a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl that have never been born again. You can't remember that time and that place where you invited Jesus to come into your life. Well, today would be that day. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to open your heart like Nicodemus did and receive Christ as your Savior and your Lord? As a believer, are you willing willing to give all to the Lord Jesus Christ today because He gave all to you? Today, during this invitation, is open for you to come and submit your life to Him. Today is an invitation for those to be saved, those to recommit their lives, for those who feel that God has led them to be a part of the fellowship of this church and to join this church. So God, use this moment for the honor and the glory of our Savior. In Jesus we pray.